0: Good morning, Saints. Morning. Ah, it's always a strong, overwhelming, scary feeling getting up here. It's not like Bible study. Again, it's, Bible study is small, but the weight of this Lord's day, it never seems to escape me that um, the Lord allowing me to stand before you and to deliver, deliver God's word is a great responsibility, and I'm appreciative that brother viltz and the lord has put me in a position to be able to share his word um for those who are visiting by way of social media we know that you could have chosen several other places to be but we are glad that you chose the hollywood street church of christ to worship um we will move forward with our lesson today's lessons topic is the power of the plan of salvation brother viltz chose this message, I think, because, as Paul said, it's not grievous for us to hear it again. Our biggest fight is not in here, as we talked about in uh, Bible study. Our fight is outside. It's easy to do the Christian thing here because there are no tough conversations to be had. There are no challenging ways of our belief system because we all agree on most things as it pertains to the things of God. But outside in the world denominations in the world of opinions where men want women to be called men, we have a tough challenge ahead of us to stand on God's word and to say what he says, the way he says it, as boldly as he says it, without fear of repercussions of any kind. I'm grateful that uh, that's going to be delivered. Uh, Brother Kemp, if you feel like I need to change mics out, you can let me know that whenever you need, but... I'll work through it. The message, as Brother Viltz says, I won't be long, and then this message will be yours. The power of the plan of salvation. I have to admit that usually when I get a topic from Brother Viltz, it's, it's just start getting things popping off the top of my head. I'm I'm constantly in the Bible, and I'm constantly testing my my knowledge, examining myself, but this one kind of escaped me, so I had to speak to my more lovelier half and she kinda pointed me in the right direction. She gave me some insight of how to approach this and I would say it was quite helpful. So uh, before we get into the word and before you get the first verse, just know you know that I give a lot of verses. I like to give verses because I like to be checked. I don't mind being fact-checked on the things of God because these are the things that will stand and you have to know them for yourself. You can't say, stand in front of God and say, Brother Steph said, Guys will be like, I don't even know who that is. He only knows you at that time. You know what I'm saying? He knows me, but I'm saying when it's your turn, it's your turn. No other names can be called. So know what you know because you know it, not because somebody else told you. Fair? Is that fair? All right, we going, let's go to God in prayer before we get into his word. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to study your word to grow in your word to give be an opportunity to learn from your word father we are grateful that you've allowed us to get here thank you for safe passage thank you for watching us as we slept and keeping us we ask that you be with us today let us take from your word what we need today so that we can be successful in this fight of life that is going about every day we are grateful that you have put light into us, so let us shine in a way that is pleasing to you. We love you. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. You are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First all, we'll come from Revelation. I wanted to start at the back. I don't know if you know how Hollywood sometimes gives you the end of the movie before they give you what actually comes to this point. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. I read from the New King James Version. Uh, I like that verse, but the King James Version is uh, the best version. So, we'll look at the two approaches that I took. I'll deal with the plan, because God's plan went about before we were even, And what plan we're talking about is the plan to save us. Not only from the evil one, but from ourselves. We are terrible as it stands. And God know that he had to reconcile us to himself and he had to set up a plan strategically from the beginning all the way to where we stand today. Revelation 13 and 8 says all who dwell on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So a bit of context. The one that's being worshipped here is the devil. The devil in the end times has control, has the authority. He has authority now, but the level that he has the authority in the end times, those who worship him are people who are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, our lesson context is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So what do we see here? in the plan the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world we see that god in his word says something was done before anybody knew it needed to be done so the power here would be god's foresight now you might be thinking what f- foresight why, why is that a powerful thing let's put it in context that we could understand If you had foresight to know that the worst thing you would ever deal with would end up the way it ended, would you have chosen it? Probably not. If you had the foresight beforehand, you wouldn't have done things a certain way. God knew that in instituting the plan for salvation, he had to have the foresight to give us a way to get back to him because we were going to mess things up. You could argue that, well, why he created us like this, because he can do what he wants. Some questions that people ask, you could just tell them because he's God. And let them figure that part out. Some things the Bible answers clearly. Some things it doesn't answer clearly. Some things it doesn't answer at all. You are only responsible to give the answer that you can read. We don't know why God created it in a way that he created it, even knowing, knowing that we were going to mess things up. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. We know he has all authority, he can do all things. He was here before us, he'll be here after us. Why do we feel like we can tell him what to do? Lord, you should have did what? How dare, how dare you think that? That is not the case. God's foresight is a powerful measure that he instituted at the foundation before it was even laid, laid knowing that we would need a way to be reconciled to himself. That is... That verse. So we're going to continue. Again, I'll give them to you quickly, but I'll expound on them quickly. I feel like the it should come full circle when we get to the end. Next verse. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. Familiar verses. I like to use verses that we're familiar with, but then give you a perspective that you might not have looked at. Let's see. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 and 16 says and he said to them he being Christ speaking to the apostles go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned now specifically he's speaking to the apostles. What do we see here? Is there some power that we can readily see? We see this verse all the time. But is there any power other than what it says? Uh, the power would be in the simplicity of the verse. It is very simple to understand. I used an analogy last time I preached. I said, if I asked you for your car and your keys, which one could you not give me and accomplish the purpose that I'm asking for? Can I start your car without your keys. No. Simple. I need both things to to get to where I'm going. You need both things. God made it that simple. He said he who believes and is baptized. It is strange to me that the world today says yeah, the second part, you don't need that. Oh, I don't, no, I don't need your keys to use your car. That means something's wrong with your car. If I could just get in and start it without the keys, Somebody needs to look at that. That does not work that way. We should see that it is God being as simple as possible to communicate his plan to us. It's no better way. Again, there are very complicated things in the scripture. But this one, you could argue, if it's so simple, why does the world argue with so much? I, I can assure you, if you're anything like me, this verse is one that you've used to people with people in denominationalism that says you don't need to be baptized we'll go to this this is one of our honey verses this is one of the best ones to use but why is it argued so much it's because man wants to do with what he wants to do with the things of god we want to make things easier for us to understand again i told you we could look at the word and say well if god knew we were going to mess up we should ha- He should have done this. Well, you can say that he should have put baptism isn't that important. You can't say what God should have done. He did what he did. He said what he said. And all we do is take it at face value because it's simple. We change things and our arguments ensue because there are people who would rather believe they can lay on a high bed after living the life they wanted to live the way they wanted to live it their whole life and say oh I believe in Jesus thank you for saving me and have no other effort how unfair is that to people who have done the things that God says God is not unfair he's not unjust you can't just lay you can't baptize yourself why because there's no example of anybody dipping themselves in water we use the examples that the Bible uses. Why? Because it's easier. I know that I'm in line with what God says when I make it look the way God makes it look. Our service looks the way it looked because we believe that this is how the church in the first century looked. They didn't use instrumental music. The Bible says make melody in your heart. Now, I used to play a trumpet. I made pretty good melody. I can't play now. Please don't ask me to play now. Terrible. You'll never think that I've played but the melody that we make, the strings, excuse me, the heart strings that we pluck comes directly from our heart strings. They don't come from instrumental music. We use the voice, the instrument that God created himself. Acts says God's not worshiped with man's hands. Are you worshiping him with an instrument? Again, all these things line up with God says it a certain way. He wants us and expects us to do it as simply as he said do it. He told David instruments were allowed, but how about this? When he told told David instruments were allowed, they were only allowed while the sacrifice was being offered. Do you know what they did after the sacrifice was offered? Stopped playing instruments. Do you know what that mimics? The New Testament. Christ was the sacrifice that was offered. So we can argue that all before Christ, instruments were acceptable, After the sacrifice had come, Christ, the Lamb, slain, all instruments should be cut off. Made with man's hands are not acceptable in God's worship. They're a great way to entertain. All right, y'all get it. Y'all get it. I like to nail it home, saints. I like to make sure, as simple as as it's stated, I want you to have an arsenal of things to give the world because they have an arsenal of things to give you. use the weapons that the world have to fight against us. They use Satan's weapons of his spiritual warfare. Denial. Oh, the Bible was a lie. lie. Oh, man wrote the Bible. How can you believe because man, we the Well, we don't believe man wrote the Bible. We believe that God used man to write the Bible. All these things are things that we put in the arsenal to argue God's plan to show God's power to show what he used from the beginning to get us all the way to the end to be with him. Our next verse. So we see God's foresight. That is a powerful thing. Wish that we had more foresight about decisions and things we, we did. Simplicity. Keep it simple. Y'all ever heard that metaphor, keep it simple? The, the second, kiss, keep it simple. They usually say stupid. I don't wanna say stupid. I'm not gonna call y'all that, but that's how the acronym is used. Keep it simple is what God does when He just shows us believe, be baptized. He also uses other verses. We use an analogy in Bible study this morning. Y'all should try to make those. God's word is a puzzle. The Bible says it's understood line by line, precept by precept. Here a little, there a little. And I, I say I share with the class, I, I was never one to do puzzles. Oh. Big ones, like the kindergarten, I like the big puzzles where you got four pieces, I put those together like this, I feel like a genius. But I've seen people use, do 500 puzzles and they put it on and I admire it like better than me. God's word is a puzzle. You can't take one piece and see the whole picture, none of it. You can't take one verse, which is a puzzle piece and see the picture that God is painting. Not even this verse, which is so simply stated, believe and be baptized. Well, is that it? Yeah, no, it's, it's other things you have to take. There are other pieces you have to confess. Jumping ahead of my lesson. Understand all these puzzle pieces paint a beautiful picture of redemption of man to God himself. Next verse, Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. And I hope I'm Using some verses that y'all are like, I've never seen that verse. I've never had a reason to go to that verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. And again, I'm reading New King James Version. And it says, for he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now... Is the, accept, the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What is, what is this telling us? As obvious as it is, what is it showing? What power is it saying that I'm just telling you now? The power that's God's timing. God's timing is impeccable, can't be matched by anyone. Now, listen, I'm a, I'm a sports guy, and so I'll use an analogy that I hope y'all could understand. One of the best things to beat speed is timing. If you're somebody that's overwhelmingly faster than you, you have to have timing. Timing where you move at a certain point. You don't have to move fast. You just move right when you need to move, and you can counter. Y'all like, I don't know what you're talking about. Timing, saints. Timing if you cook. When you put things on a timer, you understand that it's ready now. It's not ready. Five more minutes here. God's timing and salvation. He says now. Now, when else? Tomorrow? Is, is tomorrow, does, has anybody ever seen a verse that says tomorrow is an acceptable time for the salvation? Because if y'all did, I missed it. All right, what about yesterday? Anybody see that? Nobody? because my Bible could have a misprint somewhere. I just, just want to make sure everybody's looking at their Bible. I have not seen any other verse in reference or any other time than now. What does that mean? That means that if you are under the sun and you are not in Christ, the only time you have is now. Now, as in, I'm not saying tomorrow's not good. I'm saying tomorrow's not promised. You don't know if you walk out the door, a train's going to hit you. I mean immediately. After you walk out of these doors, the now has passed. That's it. Your your time was then. But if you exist in another time, then that's that now. We can never account for time that God hasn't given us. God says, don't even talk about time like you know what it is. When you say, oh, we're going to the store tomorrow, God said, don't say that. Without saying, Lord willing. Saints, I have put that in my vocabulary for everything. I say it when people don't even understand it needs to be said. Oh, yeah, we're going to play basketball? Yeah, I'll, I'll make it out there. Lord willing. For the simplest things. Because I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know what God wants to do with me. Where he wants to take me. Now is all we can be accountable for. And now is the only time you can get saved. Okay. And if if God is saying something different there, somebody help me understand what difference he's saying. So God's foresight, God's simplicity, God's timing, all these powerful mechanisms that God has used for his plan to save us. Now listen, saints, you can argue that he has a bunch of other powerful things that I didn't even list. But if I tried to do that, we'd be here for a long time. Y'all don't like long times like that. We ain't never told Brother Vils, but don't be having us in here for no two hours. We ain't Baptist church. We we don't get the message sooner than that. I'm just saying we get it. So we could be here for a long time. Knowledge is another powerful mechanism that God uses. I was going to use that, but I'm like, that's too simple. I need to challenge y'all. I need to challenge us. Knowledge is a simple, powerful mechanism. God has infinite knowledge. And that was an easy one. That was one of the first ones I thought, but I didn't use it. So I feel like y'all, y'all need to be challenged where y'all are. And I might be giving y'all too much credit, but I don't think so. Like, I, I really appreciate that. I, I see most times that I give y'all something, y'all like, okay, I see where you at. Next, next verse. And so this is what I'll use to bring the full conclusion to the power plan of salvation. Romans chapter 10 Verses 13 through 17, and I'll go through quickly, but simply, and let's see what power there is in these verses. One of my favorite places to go when I'm trying to help someone understand God has a great way of doing what he does. So I'll read the verses again, New King James Version. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 13 through 17. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Very misused verse. We know. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A lot of verses, but a lot said in those verses. But what do we see here? Again, I just want your thought to see what you come up with as far as what power do you think I here may be different than mine maybe the exact thing that I chose to be my next point any thoughts? think about it, great God's order is shown here his order the way God wants things to be done and there's no other way again Bible study this morning we used an analogy in saying if I want to replicate something that, I use Sister Spears gave me a cake ate the cake it was great how do you make it show me a recipe is an order of things now you can argue that you have you don't put them in at the same same time she might put sugar i might have put flour now that's not the order but the thing used is the order that is what we're using if i deviate from that order and i tell uh, sis sis that ain't come out right it was terrible She don't, she's not going to look at the recipe. She's going to be like, you didn't follow it in the right order. You didn't put the measurements as they were listed on the paper. It's a you thing. God says, you can't be saved unless you take up the order that I'm saying salvation comes. And it's stated several ways. Peter says, repent and be baptized. Well, we looked at another verse that said, believe. Which one do we do? We do both of them. Puzzle pieces. Saints, you have to put that verse with this verse and know that you have to believe and you have to repent to be saved. Both are components of what salvation is. God has a specific order. Let's look at it. In verse 13, it says, whoever calls, whoever calls, 14 says, you can't call unless you first believe. All right. So let's deal with it. You have to call, you're on a hospital bed, you call from your hospital bed, but you can't do that unless you believe first. If you believe, then you can call, right? That, that sounds like that setting that off. You can't call unless you believe. Okay, wh- what's the next? It says, well, you can't believe unless you heard. Wait, something else? You can't call unless you believe, but you can't believe unless you hear first. All right, here we go. So, well, what's next? I'm, I'm sorry, it's one more thing. You, you can't hear unless there's a preacher. What do you mean? There's another part to it, another part to the puzzle. God's order. He says it has to be a preacher who gives the message that you must believe. Then when you believe it, then you can go ahead with the call. do you know that call means to be baptized. Do you? I hope everybody knows that when the Bible says to them that call upon the Lord, that is baptism, calling upon the Lord. Several verses to prove that, but I'll, I'll, it's going to take me somewhere else. So let me go. It says you can't hear unless you have a preacher. Verse 15 says a preacher can't give you the message unless he was sent. Another point, again, Bible study covered a lot of this. You can't be saved right when you were taught wrong. If the proper preacher did not give you the order that God has set, the powerful order that God has set, you can't be saved. Uh, Our sister said that somebody wanted to know why they had to be baptized again. Well, if you got sprinkled, if you got immersed, but the message that was given to you was wrong, you're not properly baptized as it pertains to the Bible because the message, the method and the mode all have to be correct continuing so the next part says how beautiful are the feet of a preacher now they're not talking about actual feet because if that were true I don't know if I would make the cut I wouldn't I don't know if all of us will make the cut everybody ain't got pretty feet you know you've been walking your whole life start getting a little rough on you how beautiful are the feet are not talking about actual feet so if your feet are terrible you still fly. this can still apply to you because the feet the verse is talking about the path of those who speak the things of God what that means is every single one of you when you are talking to people about gospel the glad tidings preaching the peace that God is trying to have with us when God wants to reconcile with us, you are preaching that peace, your feet are beautiful. Because you are choosing the path that God says, peace with me and not enmity, as he calls it in Genesis. Remember, Genesis, in Genesis he said and it would be enmity between me and man. Any man that is not in Christ, God's like, you're evil to me. You're an enemy. That's a problem. And God says, in 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy has to be thrown into the fire continuing order first Corinthians 14 and 40 says let all things be done decently and in order what's talking about though so we want to make sure we have clear context it's talking about in the church now we can apply this to our everyday life we want to do things orderly in our lives but God is speaking about the kingdom in order for someone to be added to the church, we don't add people to the church. When they obey what God said to do, who adds them to the church? God does. That was something different. Every church I joined before coming here, the, the pastor, the executive board, and all these other folks is like, all right, you're not part of our church. You to learn the history. We didn't been preaching for 20 years. What? 20 years, and I was sold out. Yay, I'm going to die with y'all, is what I should have been saying. Didn't know. But God says there's an order. And all things pertaining to the church must be done decently and in order. So that's where we have it is we say you must hear the word, but you can't hear unless a preacher is properly sent. You have to believe what's heard. When you believe, when the gospel message is preached, after you hear it, you believe it. You have to repent. You have to decide that you're going to change your ways, and that's not a that's not a making sure we're all on the same page and we're all speaking and thinking the same way. None of us in here has it all together as it pertains to repentance because there are still some things we struggle with, right? But the repentance is. We don't want to struggle with it. We want to get it. We want to overcome that thing that overcomes us. And that puts us with a heart like David. The Bible says David has a heart after God's own heart. Not that he had the same actions and behavior, but he always wanted to be pleasing to God. We ourselves become that way when even when we fall, our mindset is, Lord, I don't want to mess up with this again. Make the time in which I mess up much longer. It took a week last time. Now, next time is going to be two weeks before I even think about doing that thing again. I don't want to do that. Keep expanding the time. You're winning. You're winning if you are keep putting time in the time between the struggle. Once you repent, you have to confess. Now, I'll close. As I close, I'll give you all these things and I'll bring them full circle. Then you have to be baptized and then you have to live a life worthy of repentance. So even after baptism is not, you're not finished. You've just started. Now you've begun. Now God is like, now you're my child. Before you prayed to me, God is like, you're a sinner. I don't even hear you. Not that he doesn't hear you. He's like a parent who ignores a child. That's like, mama, can I have this? You better get out of my face. Ignore you because he hears. But that is how God is to us before we're in Christ. When we're in Christ. This is what God does now. Mike, can I have that? Uh, sure. Mike, can I have it? No. Can I have it? Wait. He's going to respond to you. Yes, no, or wait, rather than ignore you and have you asking for stuff that he's not even listening to you about. Does that make sense? That, that's the kind of stuff I come up with, like, I got to make people see this. God is your parent who responds to you when you are in Christ. The power of the plan Shows God's foresight, simplicity, timing and order. Here's the gospel, First Corinthians chapter 15, verses three and four. Okay Paul, in verses one and two, says, "This is the gospel that I preached to you, which I myself received and I follow." In verses one and two, three and four says, uh, make sure I get it. For I delivered to you first of all, That which I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Look how simple that is. Listen, when you preach that this is the gospel, this is all you have to tell someone. If they have questions, you can answer those questions. But this is Paul telling the Corinthian church, this is the gospel that Christ came. He died. He was buried and he rose again. You can expound on those things by saying Christ. He was the perfect son of God who came. That is what we do to try to help people fully understand. But it's as simple as this. These are the verses that if somebody asks you, "Well, where's the gospel in the Bible? It's first Corinthians chapter 15. You can say one through four. So. This is how I'll end my lessons. This is this is my lesson to you. The power of the plan of salvation contains God's power of foresight, God's power of simplicity, God's power of his timing. The only time you have is now. He doesn't specify any other time. His order, because there is a way in which God wants us to do things. And then we have to move. Now we act on it. So where do we go from here? Bible says, now, if that is the gospel, you've heard it. What do you do? You believe it. If you believe it, there's nothing different other than the Bible says we're saved by the works of God in our belief. Where do we find it? I'm sorry. Let me, let me clarify. The works that we do is not our own works. They're God's work. We find that in John chapter 6, verse 29. The work that is of God is belief. So belief is a work. When people say we're not saved by works... It's not true. We're not saved by our own works. The Bible says when we do the things that God says to do, that's no credit to us. Luke chapter 17 tells us that it's a faithful servant doing what he's supposed to do. That's no credit to you. I've been challenged with that. So you're saying when you do what God say, you getting the credit for it. Like Romans says in chapter four. Romans in chapter four is talking about Abraham It's talking about the Israelites trying to be saved by the works of the law. We're not saved by the works of the law. We're saved by doing the works prescribed that God told us to do. When you believe that is a work that God has subscribed that we do, what do you do? Well, you then, you have to repent. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Why do you have to repent? Because godly sorrow is real repentance it leads to salvation if you just said because you got caught or you just said because you don't like the outcome of what happened that's not godly sorrow because once that clear up you go do it again next chance you get but godly sorrow is i don't like how that turned out i don't want it anymore lord you don't want it for me i'm not doing it again that is repentance you might still do it but then you're like lord help me Take, help me from, save me from myself. You have to repent. The next, you have to, you have to see sin as God sees sin. Next, you have to confess. Verse 32. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before the Father. Why is confession necessary? Because unless... You confess Christ before man, he will not do the same for you before the Father. So what is, that, what is that end argument of, I can get saved in my living room by myself? If you have to confess before man, who was in your living room with you when you confessed? But we can be even more technical. Who preached the message to you? Right? All these things, there was no person saved without a preacher, without a proper message, and without following through. You have to confess before man. If you can find this in the Bible where somebody confessed Christ and there was no man present. Philip in the uh, eunuch in the desert. Who did he confess before? Philip. All you need is a man. If you confess before the preacher, you've met the criteria and and you're good to go. Next verse. You then have to be baptized. So you have to hear, believe, repent. Confess, there are verses to confirm all these, and then be baptized. Most simp- the simplest verse in the Bible that talks about baptism. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. If you're not familiar with it, please get familiar with it. It says, there is also an antitype. Context is, Peter is saying that when we are saved, it looks like how Noah was saved by water. Now, we could say that the water destroyed everybody. It didn't destroy Noah and his family. It destroyed wickedness. When we are buried in the water, it is our old man dying and the new man raising. The Bible says there's also an antitype that now saves us. Listen to the word play again. There's only one time you can get saved. In baptism, it says it now saves you. All that is strategic, perfect order, perfect planning with God that now saves us, baptism. (sighs) Biggest problem I have with folks is when they see the parentheses in that verse, they think that it's changing the meaning of the verse when it only clarifies. It's telling you that baptism is not bathing you and cleaning your skin. What it is, is it's changing your mind in the water. You have to go in the water and you have to decide that you're changing your mind, that repentance thing, in the water. Change your mind. It's not a bath, but denominationally people say, well, it tells you that baptism is not important. It's just telling you what it does. Well, It does tell you what it does. It doesn't mean that you don't do it. OK, they, I don't I don't know why that's so misunderstood. Not the removal of, filth, of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. A good conscience is what clears you of God. Not that you're perfect in your body and what keeping it from sin, but is that your thoughts is you don't want the sin. That is a good conscience before God. Through the resurrection of Christ, that is our reenacting of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Where do we find that? Romans chapter 6. When we die in Christ, we are buried with him in baptism. We have to obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That has to be stated. There's another verse, last verse, I'll finish with. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, when you are raised in baptism, you live a life worthy of repentance. Worthy of repentance, meaning you should see some change in your behavior. If you don't, you should really self-examine. The Bible tells us we should do that constantly. That is my lesson. Our lesson, as taken, you should understand that the power of the plan of salvation encompasses so many more things than I cover, but you can highlight that God's foresight, God's simplicity, God's timing, and God's order were powerful mechanisms that God used to reconcile us to Himself, so that we can be saved. The Bible says that when the gospel is preached, it has to be obeyed. If you are not giving somebody instructions when the gospel is preached, then you're not preaching the right gospel, the right gospel comes with instructions. Everyone who obeyed the gospel obeyed the instructions that were given, and that is my lesson. Uh, We will, if if there's anyone here in the building who wants to be baptized, today, now is the time. If there's anyone online who wants to come, we'll wait in the building to get this done. This is the most important part of what we do here. We baptize now. We don't wait because we don't know what God wants to or doesn't want to do with you. So we get you in. We put you in Christ with the obedience that you show. And we let you go from there. As a babe in Christ, we will grow you up. If there are questions, if there's anything you're concerned about, if you don't know how to talk to your mom about the decision you just made, we can help with that as well. All we can do is show you what God says and we let you go. We lead the horse to water. Sometimes we get angry because it doesn't drink. That's one thing I'm working on too. Let the horse stand if it's gonna stand. But my goal is to at least lead it. Y'all familiar with that saying? That's an old folks thing. I don't, some of the young people are like, what are you talking about horses for? Y'all, they, know, they don't know. I'm old enough to know. Um, we will have our invitational again. If there's anyone here in the building who wants to obey the gospel today, we will baptize you today. As together we stand and we sing the invitational hymn, Why Don't You Come. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord.